0: the baller, my life is more than money and jewelry. My stories so crazy, dog! I said make a movie. Behind the baller, I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell dog! I know I'm the shit. Behind the baller, my life is more than money and journey. My stories so crazy, dog! I said make a movie. Behind the baller, I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh Behind the baller. Yo yo, welcome to the world famous Behind the Baller podcast. Another brand new episode. Always recorded in 8K high Doge Finition sound. This is a Dust Brothers production, which means you get nothing but professional podcasting from all of us. Yes, not just me, not just Miles, not just Jordan, but the other Jordan. That would be AKA Lakey Inspired. Shout out to my boys, Illegal Cartel, for the theme song. Do you know what professional podcasting means? Museum quality podcasting, okay? Guys, if you didn't know, I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, aka the Korean John Cusack, aka gi Yun. aka the Korean Liam Neeson, aka the Forrest Gump of hip-hop, aka the Doge of Doge Street, aka the Korean John McCall, aka Odesu, A-fucking-K-fucking-A, the Washed Lord, ladies and gentlemen, how the hell are you on this fine Monday afternoon? Yeah. We got a very special guest on the podcast today. Entrepreneur, real estate guru, and just fucking straight beast, Thatch Nguyen, straight out of Emerald City, straight out the 206. Yo, my dude is a beast in the game. Yo, Vietnamese Hustler, father, husband, sound familiar? And he's older than me, and he's out here doing it, okay? So we are going to be spitting nothing but a whole lot of free game in a little bit, but we're going to get into this intro right now and talk some shit. So um, a lot has happened in a week. You know, I dropped the emergency podcast just because I was so disgusted with my hawks, but, you know, Instagram went down a week ago. Okay, people lost their fucking minds. WhatsApp went down. Facebook went out down. I don't know the technicalities of servers and shit like that, right? But I'd imagine Mark Zuckerberg he lost what seven billion, or what did he, he lost a lot more money than I think. Or no, he did lose seven billion dollars. You know, his net worth went down. Who gives a fuck at that point? What's, that's what you guys don't fucking understand. Why have all three servers on the same fucking thing? I just that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean. If you're trying to consolidate for money, but it's like, you know, didn't cost $6 you could have lost, you know, way less money if uh, you had them on different things. Was it hacked? I saw this little fucking um, whistleblower on 60 Minutes or some shit that was on Worldstar. Look, I'm not even paying attention to any of that. We're not going to go deep dive into that. All I know is that Instagram went down, WhatsApp went down, Facebook went down. I don't use Facebook. I rarely use WhatsApp. Some people are just WhatsApp freaks, whatever. I'm just, that's not my thing. But IG went down and people went fucking crazy. Okay. The thing is Twitter didn't go down. Okay? Twitter is still the goat social media app. I've said that on here many times. The only thing is if you aren't well versed and you can't talk shit, you don't got jokes, you know, it just ain't for you. Now, if you just want to vent on there, go ahead. You might be venting to fucking four people and no one's going to see it. Cool. But it is a place to vent. Sometimes shit goes viral. You never know who is seeing your shit. There's people who have a 1,000 followers, and their tweet goes viral. Their memes go viral. That's where all the jokes and the memes are created on Twitter. The thing I love about Twitter the most is you got to have game. You got to have a mouthpiece, okay? Because you got girls, IG models and shit, who have 3 million followers on Instagram, but they can't even get 100,000 on Twitter. They can't hit 100K on Twitter. Why? Because nobody cares what the fuck these girls got to say. Want to know why? Why? And they're not being sexist. It's because they've pushed that sexy narrative. Right? They're out there selling nudes on their OnlyFans. They're pushing that. So no one ain't trying to share, oh, well, the fucking giants. Are- Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, if you ain't talking that shit, like, I'm not saying you can't. It's just, that's just the way the world is. You know? places is a cruel spot. But like I said, all the gas jokes, all the motherfucking, all that shit is created on Twitter. Okay? So... I see fools sometimes in my IG DMs, like, oh, why are you so quiet now? I don't see you talking shit about Seahawks now. Quiet about what? You dumb, you, you fucking idiot. I'm on Twitter going crazy. You know what I mean? That's why I talk my most shit. Like, you guys sound stupid sometimes, like, you know, but some people just don't get it. It's it's not, not a lot of young kids are on Twitter, you know, if you're an artist, whatever, boom. I've been verified on Twitter for like over 10 years. Okay, I go off on twitter that's why i do my sports talking shit that's why i do my crypto talking shit look the thing is people say oh tweets are forever blah blah screen i don't give a fuck what you screenshot i don't i don't give a fuck what you screenshot okay suck my dick with the screenshots some people i see some geeky ass tech dudes well i'm putting this in the archives so you can't shut the fuck up you fucking nerd in real life you get your fucking face punched now what I delete my tweets after 48 hours. 90 to 95% of my tweets get deleted after 48 hours. Unless there's some substance there that I need to keep them up, whatever, boom. 72 hours max, there's a scrub, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's a temporary thing, something I want to keep up. It was a beautiful thing. Learned that from my boy DJ Homicide. My agent deleted 30,000 tweets that might come back and whatever. I'm not worried about getting canceled. It just keeps things clean and simple, okay? But crypto, as I mentioned, the Doge, Doge Street, I said, you know, high Doge Finition. I'm very much a part and very still active, very active in the Doge community, guys. And cryptocurrency is much heavier on Twitter than any other social media app, okay? Reddit is where it's really like where it kind of lives, lives, right? But Twitter is just as big, okay? Reddit is for fucking geeks. And yes, BTB Army, Doge is still a thing. Still going strong, and yes, I'm still holding one point seven million doge coins, okay, got an announcement to make guys very big announcement um I've been lacking on my project seventy. I will get back on my gangster shit. Okay. I know you guys are just getting your um, Pete Alonzo cards, Polar Bears. I am going to sign some Otanis and a Polar Bears. I'm a little behind, but guess what, guys? Some big shit is going on right during the fucking midst of these crazy-ass MLB playoff games, right? SF Giants fans, go eat a dick. Yes, except for my fucking... <laughs> Miles Davis the producer of the one half of the Dust Brothers Miles Davis is a fucking legit SF Giants fan, obviously he is a Niners fan too we're gonna get into that later I was fucking rooting for the Niners, first time ever because I needed those motherfuckers to beat them cocksucker ass fucking Arizona Cardinals but yo, guys this week, on Wednesday we are dropping my Tops 2021 Chrome Set can I get a motherfucking drum roll Miles, please Guys, if you know anything about cards and about the hobby and about collecting, then you know my 2020 Topps Chrome is still a thing. It is still banging. That shit is worth money. That shit is cracking. Okay? Well, my 2021 Topps Chrome is fucking off the chain. I like it a lot better. It was made better, better quality. I stepped it up a little bit right? Still very, very limited. It's still the most limited Chrome set that is out there in baseball. My shit is still popping on the twenty. Yo, the motherfuckers are talking about Chrome, Ben Baller tops Chrome every day on social, wherever it may be. My 2021, tops Chrome comes out on Wednesday. Um, Montgomery Club will get it uh, offered a day before. I'm getting my boxes today sometime. I am super fucking hyped. It is going to sell out in seconds. I don't know if they're doing a raffle but it's going to sell out in seconds. I got a lot of boxes this time I negotiated a different deal. Shout out to my agents Matt and Eric XL Sports Management. Yo, crazy shit. So guys, again, very big news. My Tops Chrome is dropping this Wednesday fucking amazing 2021. Let's fucking go. Yeah, so um last Monday I told you guys that I was doing this charity golf event. And um I couldn't tell you what it was like because I was golfing. I had recorded the show four or five hours prior and I'm here now to tell you a little bit about that because you know, I posted some pictures, I talked about it. Legendary moment. Guys, B2B Army, listen up. For those of you driving, those of you walking, those of you just chilling in your office, your house, you know, listening on your fucking headphones, whatever it may be, listen to me. I have met almost every single person I could think of that I wanna meet that is living. Right there's people who have passed that I've died from the great Michael Jackson to the great Tupac to so many others that I've been blessed to meet in my life. Okay, legendary people, but I have to tell you guys, not only meeting Joe Pesci, but being his teammate and being his golf partner was a moment, a top ten life moment. Like I'm not kidding you. Some Forrest Gump shit for real. Okay. Now, some of you motherfuckers know him from House, you know um, Home Alone. Might know him from Going Fishing. You might know him from Lethal Weapon. You might know him from some goofy shit here and there. But let's not get it twisted. This man really is a legend. This man is really connected all the way to the motherfucking, you know La Cosa Nostra. My motherfuckers for real deal, tied to the mob. Like he's all the way back to Italy. He is no joke. This motherfucker is respected. Forget about it. Okay. Fuck the acting shit. This motherfucker really about that life. And he's in his late 70s, still a gangster. It was fucking crazy. Cause I knew he was gonna be on my team. I didn't know he was gonna be my partner. It's fucking insane. So this event is the George Lopez celebrity classic. He's done it like seven years, eight years in a row, nine years in a row. I don't know. It is for kidney. Transplants, kidney donors, and things like that as for great charity. It was insane. I can't explain to you how fucking amazing this was. This was held in Toluca Lake, California at the Lakeside Country Club. It was amazing. Okay. From the gifting suites, from the people that were there, from the just the the networking. There is no boardroom that can network you the way that this fucking golf course can. If you get good at golf, and you could fucking just sort of just Swiss cheese your way through a ladder, you get on the golf course and you get good, man. You're going to fucking meet some people and never have to hear about it on social, whatever. I'm telling you, it's a crazy way to network because the people I got to shoulder up with, yo, look, man, just some of the people that played, Joe Montana, Tim Allen, you know, of course, Joe Pesci, George Lopez, of course, my boy, uh, D.L. Hewley, Cedric the Entertainer, Matt Barnes, Oscar De La Hoya, his new girlfriend, Holly Saunders, um, homie from the Allstate commercials, Dennis Habert, you know, black dude. Um, who else is, uh, you know, my other teammate, Robbie Krieger from The Doors, one of the only last living members of The Doors, uh, pretty crazy. Uh, Amelia Rivera, he was in one of my movies, uh, The Cake Let's see, Jamie Foxx. It was a pretty fucking crazy event. And, you know, there's, there was like 15 teams and there was a team A, team B, five players to each A, five players to each B. So, you know, there was fucking 60 people. I don't know, it was a nuts so day. Every single hole, there was a gifting suite. So like on hole one, uh, except hole one. Hole one, you go, boom. Remember, I haven't played golf in 20 fucking years. And the first hole, I have to fucking shoot before. I'm like second person to hit the ball and hit a drive drive the first hole it was a par four 380 yards or something like that and i hit a fucking 170 down first hit i haven't swung shit haven't practiced nothing just went out there and did it and they're like oh go fuck yourself mr fucking out and play whatever you're trying to hustle us i'm like no man i suck you see the swing is terrible it's ugly as fuck what do i want gonna do before we continue sorry shout out to taylor made clubs Shout out to my boy Mike over there. As you know, this is no cap. This is not for an opinion. This is for pure fact. TaylorMade is the Bentley of golf clubs. Thank you very much for uh, the sponsorship, the endorsing of my clubs, of my new endeavor. I can't wait to fucking deep dive into this golf world. I just, you know, I'm Korean. It should happen. Uh, You know, I can't let another week go by without me golfing. Anyways, going back, every hole had something george had it set up so insane he had one where there was giving away a vacation he had one where there was you know um t-shirts and cigars there's one where there's sh- uh, champagne one was tequila others cannabis another cannabis company then headphones then fucking chargers then you know a taco stand he had it was just insane it was amazing okay i couldn't fucking imagine must have cost two million dollars to hold this fucking event and um after The front nine, you know, with Joe, Joe was telling me the craziest fucking stories ever. Can't discuss them here, no fucking way. And you know, I think about someone like my sister, my older sister, right, Jean Yang, I only have, sorry, one sister, but my sister Jean Yang, she has been an enormous stylist for 20-something years now. She has dressed for President-elect, she's dressed Brad Pitt for 15-something years, Keanu Reeves for 20 years now. George Clooney for almost 20 years, Tom Cruise for 15 to 18 years, somewhere around there. She has dressed everyone, and she was these people's personal stylist. She still dresses Keanu. She manages Keanu Reeves. She manages fucking Aquaman, uh, Jason Momoa. She fucking dressed, um, dressed, still dresses Adam Sandler, dressed Jack Black. My sister has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest men's stylists in Hollywood for. Decades, never used one single bit of clout of hers. Never used any nepotism, nothing. She didn't even fucking know that Adam Sandler was shadowing me for Uncut Gems, and she was actually impressed. So I can't fucking believe you didn't bring my name up, because Adam had no idea. Going back, she said in all her life she had never ever met or ever seen Joe Pesci out. That's a big deal, you know, because. My sister be out of different places, you know, that not necessarily paparazzi be at, whatever, but no one has really seen Joe Pesci out. He's that low key and whatever. He didn't take any pictures. I would say in a six and a half, seven hours, he took maybe five pictures and two of those motherfuckers was with me, right? And like, it just just didn't, I mean, posed for a picture. So it was just crazy. He was telling me some nutso shit, shit that was so far-fetched. He was fucking um, cussing me out, he wouldn't let me drive the cart. It was just a fucking, it was amazing. It was a we had to eat together. This motherfucker is just hilarious. Um, a lot of people ask me all the time, hey, what kind of glasses are you wearing? What kind of glasses are you wearing? And, you know, I've been wearing Retro Super Future for the last eight, nine years. And the glasses he wore in the Irishman, I designed those. So, you know, it's funny because Retro Super Future right now is not giving the checkup. And I think pretty soon I do have to just find a new brand or create my own glasses. But You know, just fucking sucks, man. You know, uh, I told him that I designed glasses. And he's like, you fucking did? And he thought that I was selling them using his name, the Joe Pesci glasses from from Irishman. No, dog. Your stylist put them on you. And the owner of Retro Superfuture is actually Italian from Italy, and he lives in Italy. So anyways, had a great day with Joe, legendary, after the whole 18 holes was done. We got finished, but everyone else didn't because it was a rain, not a delay. It was rain, so they called everyone in. There was a bell. There was a horn. It was pretty crazy. Um, we got to eat inside, beautiful buffet, then another gifting suite with all this crazy shit. Victor Ortiz, I got to meet him. <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty funny. <laughs> we, uh, we got to chop it up for a little bit, but you know, open bar, food, it was just a, a great experience. I was having a Casamigos and ginger ale, and, George, and uh, George Lopez and Joe Pesci were having martinis, and they're like, yo, what are you drinking on? And I told them, like, yo, what the fuck? I didn't know it was fucking martinis. That was the tradition. So George takes me outside, takes me to the pro shop, and he buys me a really nice jacket. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, yo, it's tradition. You know, so you bring somebody to the first time going to play golf with the homies. You know, it's tradition. You got to buy somebody something for the pro shop. And bought me a really nice golf jacket. I, you know, I had my I had my first head to toe golf outfit on. Um, had the Nike golf DRI fit shirt. I had the golf slim pants, had the Tiger Woods uh, golf shoes. Shout out to the guys at Roger Dunn in North Hollywood, California again. They were showing me love. They got me right for the event, but it was just a fucking amazing, amazing thing. Um, On my team as well directly, also a partner of mine, and when Joe switched off a couple times, I rode with Robbie Krieger of The Doors this is the drummer of the fucking Doors. Pretty fucking amazing. He is alive. He's, he's in his uh, late 70s too. He, um, you know, really chill dude and uh, older dude. Very good in golf. By the way, George is very good in golf. Joe Pesci is a very good golfer. Everyone there was pretty goddamn good. Uh, me and Robbie Krieger got to talk a little bit. And um, Ray Manzarek of the Doors, he has passed. He passed away uh in this past decade, I think 2013 or something, his son Pablo Manzarek was a friend of mine. We grew up, went to high school together. So we talked about that. Somehow, some way I found a degree of separation, you know, from us, which was cool. Even with Joe Pesci, you know, so it was it was cool, man. It was again, it was an insane, one-of-a-kind life experience. And I even considered, um, well, I inquired about joining the country club found some of my friends were actually really good golfers. You obviously know that my mom's goddaughter is Sari Pak, one of the most famous Korean golfers ever. My mom has been on three tours with her. Uh, She was the first Korean ever to be in the PGA Hall of Fame. Not the LPGA, but the actual PGA. Her picture is right next to, or her plaque is right next to Jack Nicklaus's. My father, uh, Leo, rest in peace, he was a big golfer. Um, His son, my stepbrother Milton, is is a big golfer. Scratch Handicap. Um, I got some cousins who are pros. So, you know, it's it's in their blood. So I, I just it's just only right. By the way, I got something fucking huge that is going to shock the golf world. Can't mention it now, but I will mention it soon. Speaking of which, guys, uh, I know you guys are getting your cash, gold cash guns. Uh, everyone in America has got there so far. I know now Europe, uh, Asia, and other places should be getting them this week. I know the Domino's have got out. I'm really excited to see people posting them and tagging me, keep posting them, keep tagging me, and um, yeah, excited about that. My next drop is going to be something fresh, too. This one's going to be for the gamers and uh, something for my crew, FaZe Clan, for my for my sons and for all my people who play games. You already know that. So I'm um, going to get into this interview real quick. My boy Thatch been following me for a while Found out he's actually was a mentor to my boy, Kevion, who is Jonas's other best friend. Uh, he's known Jonas longer than I have. And he knew Jonas longer than I have. And Kevion is a, a real estate cat. And um, Thatch was kind of like his mentor. And uh, this dude is just a, he's a real motherfucker. And we're going to get all into it right now. You know, We're going to pay some bills first because we got a new sponsor, Vitamin Water. And uh, you know we're going to get into some ads real quick talk that shit you want you to hear this fucking interview it's fucking amazing so Miles you already knew motherfucker yeah I didn't have to ask you you hear that that's my man Lakey inspired in the background guys yeah we're gonna pay some bills get into the interview then get into another commercial and then yeah you know the deal All right, guys we'll be right back This podcast is brought to you by Vitamin Water. Vitamin Water at its core is a simple way to get nutrition from vitamins, electrolytes, and other additional ingredients, all with a great taste. Vitamin Water has an entire rainbow of flavors. Any type of refreshing beverage you're looking for, Vitamin Water has it. Zero sugar, Vitamin Water, gutsy, Watermelon peach flavored with five grams of prebiotic fiber that aids in digestion to help support gut health, which I love. Vitamin water look, vitamin water zero shine, strawberry lemonade flavor with biotin, vitamin A, and 200% more vitamin C to help support hair and skin health. Vitamin water is the official beverage of Behind the Baller podcast. Grab yourself a bottle or a case today. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive Therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Whenever I'm feeling tense, I use it. I automatically feel better afterwards and I use it and you should too. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, hundreds of thousands of customers like me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at $199. Go to therabody.com slash baller right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com. Slash baller therabody.com slash baller. Yo, yo, behind the baller, BTB Army. What's good, man? It's your boy Ben Baller, and we are in the Emerald City, aka the 206, aka Seattle Sea town. And yo, we got a very special guest. We have a big shot. That's an old school term, man. Big shot, hot shot, all that shit that you young kids. Have nothing, no fucking clue about, but yo, we really do have an OG of OGs. We have real estate, entrepreneur, mogul, my man, Thatch Nguyen. What's up, bro?
1: What up, my brother? Thanks for having me on here today, baby. Yes, Vietnam and Korea all day today, man. All day. Come on, baby. Let's do this shit today. You know, what's (laughs) funny is as
0: soon as I landed, I had pho yesterday. I saw that. Yeah, I had some pho. I was like, you know, let me have some pho, man. You know what I'm saying? And Get this vibe going right, man. So, yo, um, bro, let's get into it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, just for
1: my own personal information, I think you kind of told me one time, but when, when did you come here to Seattle? I, my family, well, I was born in Vietnam in 1970. Okay. My dad worked for the U.S. military uh, back in the days, and he got word that the communists is taking over South Vietnam in 75. And so in 75, my dad said, hey, my boss's is says they're coming in in three days. Told my mom pack up our belongings, and let's get the hell out of here with the U.S. Uh, uh, troops. So we left Vietnam in 1975. My, you know, my, I had you know four brothers and one sister. My sister was pregnant. My mom at the time, and we had 100 bucks. Man, we left in 1975, and uh, we landed in a homeless shelter over here in Seattle in 75. Started from from the bottom. <laughs> you know, the crazy
0: thing is, is most people who aren't Asian or or I can't speak on Europeans. Yep. Or, or Mexicans or anything else. I only speak on Asians. When you think about Asians, my family coming over here in the 60s and stuff, right? Coming to America, and you think about literally, you know how fucking crazy it is if you think about, like, think about people coming here now, how much harder it is to do certain things or whatever, but imagine back then, you know, the resources, nothing, really coming on a boat or really coming on however, and getting over here with nothing, with kids, hey, 100 and- bucks.
1: And... And Asian population was small back then, so you ain't really got no resources from just the people helping you, let alone money. Yeah, people hate you. Right. So why did your family choose Seattle? Why did your dad choose Seattle? Well, my dad was, uh, uh, when he was younger in Vietnam, he used to take trips to U.S. once in a while here and there. And he had came to Seattle one time. And so when the plane landed in Southern California from Vietnam, and they used Camp Pennington as the homeless shelter. Right. And then they needed to migrate some of the family up to Seattle because they had too many of them down there. And governor Evans says, you know, we're going to take 500 family to come up to Seattle who want to volunteer. And my dad says, we'll go up to Seattle. And that's how we end up in Seattle. And you lived here ever since, right? Crazy, huh? Destiny,
0: bro. Insane. Destiny. L- let me ask you, man, would you ever live anywhere else besides Seattle? Could you ever show
1: yourself living anywhere else? I love Seattle because it's just a real nice, cool, low vibe. I can do a lot of shit, but I can just still be cool. You know what I mean? But then if I wanna just kick it, you know what I mean? And just do it, then I just go to LA. Right. Go to Orange County, which I go down to pretty much a lot anyways. Right. But I like raising my kids and everything in this atmosphere. Cause you know, I've been I have been in LA, you know, for many, many time. And I know raising kids down in LA ain't easy. And yeah. I know you and I talked about that. So I'd rather raise my kid up here, teaching everything, have the money and travel where the hell I want to travel.
0: And whenever I, mean, I want to travel. I just talked to my wife about it about an hour ago. It's, it's way less distractions here.
1: Yeah. You know, but, you know, like, see, see, in L.A.,
0: they have Westminster, they have other parts, you know, like, you know, like uh, Little Saigon, right? But is there a
1: Vietnamese community out here? It's small. You know, Little Saigon, which is down the street from here. Yeah. But it ain't nothing compared to, you know, I mean, it's like a hundred times bigger in West than... Uh, oh, than, my God. Yeah. On. Bolsa Avenue is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Crazy.
0: All right, doc. So let's get right into this motherfucking business shit because I've been watching, you know, like, 15 different people had sent me stuff and I was like who the fuck is this dude? Right? And it was like probably like earlier this year, late last year, and I had no idea and I think we, I briefly I was like yo wait and then I seen obviously just in the last year or so it, your um social media has has grown tremendously, right? So the first question everyone wants to know is what got you into flipping houses, real estate and everything? Like did you ever take any classes? Did you go to school for business? Like like did you even go to college, bro? Tell me
1: the whole story. Right? And this is crazy, and I know you and I talked about this shit before, you know, destiny, okay? Right. So coming from Vietnam over here, when we lived in the shelter, you can't get out of the shelter unless someone sponsored your family. So this guy named Charles Zettler, right, sponsored our family of eight to go live with his mom and him down here about 45 minutes south of uh, Seattle. And he was the first person that actually gave us a place to live, okay? Fast forward, I got into real estate in 1991. I went to college after high school in 88 for three years, but I didn't really have a passion to really go to college. So I, but I followed my older brother's footsteps to go fix aviation airplane because they're in the aviation business. Right. I got my degree to fix airplane. I didn't have a passion. So one of the tips I want to tell a lot of young folks today, follow your passion and the money will follow. But Man. don't follow the money that you think the passion's going to follow. That shit's backward, bro, okay? Yeah. And so in 91, I'm sitting at a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown. My friend was actually uh, studying for a real estate license. And she was like, You should do real estate because you got a mouthpiece. <laughs> I'm like, For real? And next thing I knew, I got my license in 91. And I met some mentor, man, that taught me to go out there how to do real estate. But I started as a real estate agent. But my success was I was outdoor knocking 100 doors a day, five days a week for five hours a day, bro, for 10 years straight. And that's how I got all my business. And I was doing well in real estate. And then this other mentor came to me and says, if you want to be rich, keep selling real estate. But if you want to be wealthy, own real estate. And that was game on. And that was like... So you you got your real estate license, right? In 91. You have a broker's license as well or no? Nope. Oh, wow. Yes, a regular real estate agent killing it. I was selling about 150 homes a year, making a million bucks in my early 20s. And then my mentor said to me, if you want to be rich, keep selling real estate because you're trading your time for money. But you want to be wealthy, you want to own real estate. So later on, you can trade your money back for time and do what you want to do, whatever the fuck you want to do it. And I was like, shit, that's what I want to do, right? Yeah. And that's when, in 1997, I bought my first house. And then from there, every time I made money in real estate, I buy me another house. I buy me another house. Then I bought apartment building. Then I bought bigger building. Then I started developing. And that's how I got into the real estate investment game because selling real estate is a vehicle to finance my lifestyle and finance my real estate long-term game. And so the more I can make more money through the front door, the more passive income I can create. Then today, you know, I get to live off a lot of passive income and do what the hell I want to do whenever. But I still even still sell real estate today. Right, right. So let me ask you a question. So were you working for an agency back then, obviously? Yep. I worked for this company with John L. Scott in Seattle, which is a big company. And I was just out there slinging houses, you know what I mean? And just making money. And I just took the money. and I just bought real estate. Every time I had enough money, I bought another property. You know, there's a big company in, in LA. I don't know if they're
0: national nationwide, but there's a company called Century 21. Were, yep. were they here up here too? Yep, they are. They're smaller compared to John L. Scott and Windermere. Oh,
1: right? shit. Okay. Yep. So and that's how I got started in real estate investing.
0: Right. Tell my followers. Yep. How important is good credit?
1: Man. <laughs> If you ain't got no credit, you can never have wealth. Yeah. Because you can go out there and buy a property and fix and flip it, but you can never buy a property and fix and hold it because you don't got the credit. You might have income, but you don't have credit. So without credit, you right. can never finance a piece of property. Right. So don't work your ass off, you guys, and go out there and make a lot of money if you don't take the time to clean your credit because the wealth is in owning real estate, not flipping real estate.
0: Right. And when you have good credit, you guys have to understand, just a percentage, one, two, three different points, you're talking about thousands to more in interest per month and certain things. So I fucked up my credit three times before I was 35, you know what I mean? And I finally said, yo, I have millions and my credit's bad. This is the, I'm going backwards. I'm hustling backwards. And now that my credit's over 800 I mean, my life has really changed because, of it. you know, like you might go down to 780 if you buy a new place, blah, blah, whatever, you go back. But you know you Gucci if you stay over 720.
1: But I'm going to tell you again, folks. Don't be the dumbass that out there working hard and not working smart. If you out there going to make millions, get your credit cleaned up because the problem go making a lot of money without no credit is like running on a treadmill. The moment you stop running, then you ain't making no money. So go ahead and run on the treadmill as much as you can, as fast as you can make your money and then park that money in something like real estate. So later on, when you stop running on the treadmill, you're still getting paid. You know, it's funny that Thatch just said that. When I went through
0: the worst part of my life, and the funny thing is my health. Right now, I am the heaviest I have been in my life, right? 11, 12 years ago, I was the same weight and I said, fuck this. I've destroyed my body so much. I can't do it no more. I got hired a trainer. He was the best trainer in the world. You know what he did? He does 50 minute sessions. He's charging me almost a thousand bucks. I was like, yo, dude, this is just pointless for me. And you shouldn't put a price on your health, but I realized that there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Found a dude who had a secret to it and whatever. And the dude was basically trying to stretch out, you know, a year, two years. And, you know, I could have done this in months. So I found the secret. You said the treadmill. I was doing 30, 40 minutes of cardio on the treadmill, running, getting tired, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And the trainer I found, who owns a couple of very big athletic companies and things, he's an owner, he's not trying to train, he just trained me because he was a homie. He said, Ben, no bullshit, I can get you on the treadmill for eight to 12 minutes, and you can achieve what 95% of these people are trying to do in 45 minutes. You ain't gotta do 45 minutes. He goes, I'm telling you right now, these people, they're burning fat, They're going so long, they've burned muscle now. we just going to burn the fat. we going to stop before you burn the muscle. You could do that in 10, 12 minutes. You ain't got to do 45 minutes. And what you say with the treadmill is right. Motherfuckers is running aimlessly, thinking they feel good, mentally cool, but not realizing, all right, dog, now you fucked up because you are running in an investment right. and don't realize that investment's losing money. Because right. you're going too long they're in the you know I mean? yeah. Oh,
1: another way we can put it like this is if they're running more than 30, 45, 50 minute an hour on the treadmill, it's equivalent to working your fucking ass off, making millions, <laughs> but ain't got no credit.
0: Yeah, right. That's, that's why I just want people to understand. Like you don't I don't see you talk too much about credit Then maybe you do, but I want people to understand is you can have money, you can make money, but if your credit's fucked up. Man, it's it's just pointless, bro. you literally pointless. Yeah, you just have you have a you have a fucking exit. You know what I'm saying? And all the money comes, enters, and it exits. Yeah, you like, got
1: a motherfucking cup with a hole in the bottom, bro. That's what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Period. Right?
0: Okay, so you talked about college earlier. I've spoken on my show in the last two years how much I hated college. Yep. I went because of my parents, because of the Asian thing, like, oh, become this, become that. Look, man, doctors and fucking lawyers aren't making the money that we make now, right. you know, and again, that's less than the 1%, but ideally, my wife and I do want our kids to go to college for structure and certain yes, things, Yes, sir. but personally, I'm like, yo, man, it's, it's it's really up to what you said. What you said earlier really hit me, follow
1: your passion, don't follow the money, right? Right. So how important is it for you, for your kids to go to college? 100%. Now, you know, on social media, there's a lot of young cats out there, you know, doing social media, right, entrepreneur, and they're fortunate that, you know, they found their passion, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they're out there, you know, just just talking shit about college is a waste. But I'm gonna give you my thought. First of all, unless you got some motherfucking kids, then you think twice about how you answer these questions. Yeah. Because if your kids out there listening, my dad's preaching, you know, don't do this. I got a 16 year old and I got a 13 year old. To me, college is important. Not so that they can go find a great job later, but it's for the time to give them time to find their passion.
0: And the structure.
1: And the structure and the network, and the resources, because when you, basically, this guy, I'm out of high school, you don't know jack shit anyways, but if I give them three, four years to figure it out, in college, at the same time, they're learning something, they're meeting people, they're networking, they're building their, you know, their, you know, their ideas and creativity, and then when they get done, man, they're like, you know what, dad, I'm not going to do that, I want to do real estate, cool, let's get it. Right. Right. But if I tell them right now college ain't important, I guarantee you my kids be like, Well, why the fuck should I keep working hard? They're trying to get AIDS anyways. But at least if they're working hard. They at least they got option when they finish high school.
0: I mean the worst case, you like like the credit you said, you do have a degree to fall back on. That's right. My wife has one, I have one. Right. You know, I don't know what it's gonna do for me now at this point in my life because I've gone so far. But yes, it is definitely something important. So I'm glad you said that because for those who you don't have, see, so many people have don't have kids. Some people take care of kids. They do this, this, and this. And they say, hey, man, oh, you know, my girlfriend, we've been together for eight years. I got a kid, blah, blah, Dog, it's totally different when that, now, it, I contradict myself sometimes when I say, look, man, love is what determines family, right? Not DNA. But when it comes to raising a child, when someone's carrying your last name, when there's a legacy involved and things like that, you have to understand, you want your child to represent you the right way, what they're going to be in life and what they're going to be in, you know, in, in society, so it's real important that if you don't have a kid, you can't answer these questions the same because you don't have that responsibility. It's a different See, type yeah. of level of stress.
1: Different, different. And and the thing is, man, is like the young folks, if you're going to be a doctor, a surgeon, something, you're going to need college. Yeah. But if you're not sure what you're going to do, that's another story, Yeah. right? But again, if you got kids and my kids don't know what to do, I still want them to work hard, get, get good grades. So they option when they finish high school. And if they go to college, right, one year, two year, three year, four year, I don't really care. I just want them to have time to find themselves. That's the key. Yeah, Because I said this
0: all the time, man. People think, you know, you're legally an adult at 18. Man, 99.9% you know, of fucking people don't know shit.
1: Motherfuckers don't know shit at 25. Look, bro, my, my mentor told me a long time ago, I was 27 years old, you ain't gonna know shit Until you hit 50 And I was like Man what you tripping on Not... Hey listen I turned 51 And I just said to myself bro Shit Now I'm eating my word Now I realize I didn't know shit Before I hit 50 years old I mean, I, didn't,
0: I feel like I didn't know shit Until I turned 40 right? right And then so it is what it is And, and you know It's beautiful man So we're, we're in a fucked up situation Um, It's been about 16, 17 months, we've had this fucked up thing, me and you, your your dad, my dad, nobody's experienced what we've been experiencing right now. This pandemic is fucking crazy, right? How has your business overall been affected by the pandemic?
1: Actually, real estate is one of the blessing business where it's been just gone crazy during COVID because everybody's stuck at home. And what's interesting is that now people realize, you know what, home is one of the most important asset now through, through COVID. Is a place where they can have safety, peace of mind, love, family, togetherness, and what's interesting, houses now has gone out the roof because of that reason. People realize they want yard, they want an office space at home now, and that's why real estate has been booming. And so, man, I've been, I'm in blast, man. Real estate just literally just been crushing it in the last two years with this COVID. And interest rates went down. Interest rates go down. Inventory is low. And everybody out there want to buy and there's no inventory. And the guy who's out there buying property, building property, creating inventory, he's killing it. So do you think because real estate, even in
0: my neighborhood, right? Let's say for instance, like, you know, you look at a five, six million dollar house right now, that was literally four million dollars, you know, two years ago, you're like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And people are like, yo, bro. Stop thinking about the past, bro. You ain't gonna get that house for four no more. It is, you know, it's what it is. Yep. So do you think there's gonna be a crash on the real estate market? Or do you really think because I feel like you really did understand that it was the most solid investment that people cause there was a crash back in 08 and whatever, but that was a different kind of crash. Yep. Different. That was because people are doing bullshit, bullshit, going out there doing fucked up escrow, fucked up loans and yep. everything. People understand what's so important about owning your own home, not necessarily just because of the money but your security, where you're going to sleep, where you're going to put your head, where you're going to play with your kids, where you going to do certain things. So that's why I'm asking, man, you think it's going to crash?
1: I don't think it's going to crash. Hear what I think, right? And talking to a lot of my, my good friends out there in real estate. In America, if you really look at it, we have a shortage of housing for the growing population, okay? And so uh, so there is still lack of, uh, uh, number one, lack of new home. So builders right now are fighting hard when right now trying to find land to create more new home. When new home lack, resale home is worth a lot of money. Yeah, That's what's the problem right now. That's the biggest problem. Um, and number two is, there's so much money now, man, out there, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, first of all, there's so, so much money right now through just all the company of Amazon and everybody hiring. Now you're talking about entrepreneur money, you know what I mean, from all the Bitcoins and everything else. There's so much money. And... There's not enough places for people to buy. So that's why I think the uh, inventory is low, but I think more and more inventory is going to come on, but it's still not going to be, it will never catch up to the number of demand we have. So it's going to slow down, but it ain't going to be crazy. So you think it's going to kind of maybe level out for a little bit, but I never, ever thought about it like that.
0: My mind is thinking about so many different things. I'm talking about fucking, you know, my wife, my kids, thinking about fucking this, thinking about COVID, whatever, boom. I never sat and th- because it's not my business, right, even though I do I do own real estate, I do own properties, yep. I never thought about what you just said. You guys hear that? I want you guys to understand how important that is. He said there's a growing population of people in America. No matter what, that's true. People ain't going to stop fucking. People aren't going to stop having kids. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about that, think about that. You need to house the growing population, and we're not slowing down, you know, whatever it may be.
1: And the immigrants coming in on top Yet, of that, too, right? Immigrants coming
0: in, so... Damn, what he said made a lot of sense because we still have a shortage of homes. That's fucking amazing, bro. It's crazy, like, bro. Can't even fucking. That's crazy, man. So, um, tell me, bro, where do you see yourself in five to ten years from now? Is there a goal that you have?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, of course, I'm at a different time in life, right? I'm 51 years old, right? I've been doing this for 30 years. I started, you know, in uh, 1991 in real estate as a yeah. realtor. I bought my first rental in 1997. Still own it today. Uh, I'm 50, uh, right? I still own it today. It's free and clear, right? I bought it for 105 grand, bro. I put down 5% because I said I was going to live in it, which is $5,000. I got three renters that have been in that property since day one. That shit's paid off by, paid by them. <laughs> and that shit's worth $750,000 today, bro. That's what you call leverage. So with me, where I'm at right now, Ben, is I'm 51. I'm at a point in my life where I'm not looking to buy a lot more property, but I'm also keeping my eye open for a good property. So if I find them, I will replace one of my okay property for that. But I'm in my life right now, Ben, where I have plenty of property. I get about 100 grand a month in positive cash flow right now every month. And my property ain't even all paid off yet. So my goal to now, until 60, is to actually pay all my property off. And I'll get about $200,000 to maybe 250 grand a month in positive cash flow, which is over $2.5 million a year just sleeping. Now, someone asks. someone might say, well, why the hell would you pay it out? Stupid. At some point, and you get older, and tell you guys it gifted up to my age, you don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. When you're 50 years old, why the fuck would you want to have a 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 million dollar debt? Yeah. You want peace of mind. Yeah. I'm going to drop this for you around, Ben. There's a lot of people you and I know that have what I call financial uh, peace of mind. Right. They got out of the poor, they made a lot of money, so they have peace of mind about money. But very few people, man, have emotional peace of mind. You want real peace of mind, you have emotional peace of mind and financial peace of mind together, that's when you have true peace of mind. Yeah. And for me, emotional peace of mind to me is even more important than financial peace of mind. How many people we and I know make gang of money, bro, and they motherfucking fucked up emotionally? Yeah. Right? And so for me, at my age now, I want to have my shit paid up. I don't want to have debt paid nobody. And let's be honest, bro. You've you been around. You fucking got gang of money. You only need so much to live super, super comfortable. Yeah. $200,000 a month in passive income without I even fucking lifting a finger? Yeah. Debt-free? Shit. I've been living motherfucking real good. I mean, look, good.
0: I asked you before, off the record. This is three week, two weeks ago I asked you how much your overhead was, right? Yeah. I was shocked to death. And you live very good, right? You live very, very yep. good. My overhead is almost three times what your overhead is. And the crazy part is, I live very extra, you know what I mean, in certain things. But the crazy part is, it's still not 200K and positive. And the funny thing was, my accountant, who has changed my life since 2017, he said this to me, he goes, hey Ben, two, three weeks ago, calls me. And anytime he calls me, I get worried. (laughs) I'm like, shit dog, you know, what's up? And he goes, hey man, you know what? you only owe $250,000 on this property, bro. And I was like, so what? And he goes, Ben, why had that shit sit around? It just, man, let's just get, let's get rid of it. And I'm like, right now? He goes, we could do a twos. We could do 125, 125. Just, let's just get rid of it. It's annoying. Let's not look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you're clear of it. He didn't say emotionally clear, but what you said brought more clarity to me. And he said, you're clear of it. And I thought about that mm-hmm. because, look, some people don't realize why I lease certain cars. But oh, you know what man? Shut the fuck up. Right. I could buy this car 15 times over. I could get in and out. I have leverage in this car because the car game is crazy. We're not going to talk about this on the episode. But what I mean is people don't understand that. And I'm taking and I'm, I'm enjoying the fruits of my great credit to get these cars for a certain price and not, you know, low down, whatever, boom. Well, you out here swallowing, you know, fuck, you drowning in this fucking debt of trying to fucking have a Rolls Royce so you could take a picture of you having the starlight roof and all this other bullshit for the wrong reason. Right. But,
1: uh, no, that, that meant a lot to me. So And let me say this, for some of you guys don't know, I have no problem sharing, you know, keeping it real with you guys out here. Uh, I live in a very nice neighborhood, okay? Uh, it's like Beverly Hill in Seattle. And I own my, you know, multi-million dollar house free and clear. You know, I got Rose Races, I got Bentleys, I got g wagons I got Ferraris. And my lifestyle, it cost me $30,000 a month. <laughs> personal and business to live every month, okay? So, and I live good, okay? And yeah. for me to have $200,000 in the next probably 10 more years, shit, I, I, I got to set up, bro, good. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, you did it smart. But I'm going to say this too. If you're young... Of course, you don't want to pay off your property. You want to leverage it smartly to get more property. But I'm going to say, as you get older and you don't know shit until you get 50, and I'm going to tell you, when you get to 50 years old, then that's why you're going to say, well, shit, that's fucking said it. You don't know shit until you hit 50. But when you get to 50 and 50 go into 60 and 70, that's when you really, it's the time where you got to be smart. That's where you don't want to have no debt. You don't want nobody. Look, yeah, going through COVID, bro, on right my apartment right now, My 50-unit apartment building, I got seven people that just ain't paying. Yeah. You figure $1,500 a month on rent, I'm throwing that money away right now. They don't want to leave. Yeah. So thank God I owe very little on that property. Yeah. But imagine if you had property and you don't own it free and clear and you're in your 60 and people ain't paying and you got a mortgage on it? Come on, man. I
0: I got a friend of mine who was one of my my protégés. I've been a mentor to him for eight years, seven, eight years. He bought this property— And it wasn't that I told him not to get a property. I just said, hey man, you know, I don't know, uh, location, it's by the Grove, you know, you gotta be careful. Thing is, he's like, no, bro, we're good. Now, six months of the pandemic, he's like, "Real, bro, all four renters are paying. I'm like, all right, dog, look, I'm not being a hater. I'm just saying like, yo, bro, just nothing's guaranteed, whatever, he's talking, everything being, and then guess what? All four of the motherfuckers ain't paying right now. Mm Do you know what I mean? about, About December last year, they said, fuck this. Now, He's finally, through California state law, he's finally able to evict. He's so frustrated because they ain't paid in 10 months, right? It's like, fuck this. They're fucking out. And I said, yo, bro, how much of an L have you taken? He goes, I've taken a crazy L on this. And I was like, all right, bro. Always understand, though, you know, like you was leveraging this and that. And no one could expect the COVID. No. Except if you're fucking thatched to win, and you understood. And so you had very little ode on it. You're good. So I'm just letting people know, understand that leverage is a very big thing. Momentum is a big thing in your life when you have money coming right. in. Always,
1: I'm always expecting the worst,
0: you know, so I'm always prepared for the and, shit.
1: And this is why I'm going to say this real quick. That's why emotional peace of mind is a big key, bro. Yeah. So we talked about this last time. I've talked about it a little bit after
0: I met you because it kind of bothered me what Shaq said about he's not leaving his sons even maybe barely, maybe a million, ah, and he's worth <laughs> almost half a billion dollars. He like, so he's going to take care of his daughters, which I respected that. But me and Shaq got into an argument around two weeks ago, like a bad one, and he was upset because I let his son borrow my car. Right. One, when I think about it now, me being a dad, I understand. Letting a kid borrow a 700-horsepower car is not the smartest thing to do, especially a 19 year old. Boom, it's a great kid, he wasn't speeding, but I understand why he was upset. Now he was so upset that it might've damaged our friendship of 30 years almost, right, or 27 years. And more so thinking like, look, it's not that you're cheap because Shaq lives a certain way, but he lives such a strict upbringing that, you know, he had said that he's not gonna leave his son's money. And then I thought that you'd be opposite but tell the followers, man. So, so what's gonna happen when you know when your kids, or when you, let's say, for instance, God forbid, you die later or something like, what are you gonna do with your fortune,
1: man? When I made this post on Instagram, I think <laughs> there was like a thousand engagement on that, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause everybody got their own opinion how to raise their kids, yeah. And I respect that. But I tell you, coming from nothing, yeah. just like you, yeah, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for the struggle, yeah. I wouldn't be where it's at if I didn't have breakdown because breakdown comes with breakthrough. I wouldn't have where I have today if I didn't actually have setback. Yeah. To me is, I said this, parents, don't make it easy for your kids. One of the things I know when I, when I talk to a lot of my uh, really wealthy friends, multi-millionaire and billionaire, especially the minority from overseas, they always say that I'm working hard because I don't want my kids to go through what I went through. And I, I don't want them to suffer. Cause that's why I'm working hard. I want to make their life easier. And I said, fuck that. Let them suffer. <laughs> and let me tell you what I mean. Suffer. Not make it hard. You know, suffer. But let them go through the tough time. Because that's where we built maturity. Right? When mm-hmm. you go through tough time, you and me. Nobody gave us the money back then we were broke. Man? Yeah. We had to get resourceful, yeah? Yeah. We had to get creative.
0: Yeah. We have I haven't think had out- to steal, bro. You, you see what I'm that.
1: saying? <laughs> right? You, you got to get creative. Survival tactics. You got to think outside the box, and you got to do it yourself. Your mom can't do it for you. Nobody can do it. So that's the beautiful gift. That's the billion-dollar gift. Right. But we're robbing the kids when we fucking say, you know what, son? Fuck it. Here. Here's $100. Here's $200. Here's this. Here's that. Right? The rich folk every time they go through emotional breakdown— they go buy themselves a fucking rose race. Yeah. Right? The kids go through breakdown, the parents just give it to them. So I say, to me, and my wife says, let Russell and Hudson experience burning their finger on the stove. It's good for them because they will learn not to burn, touch the stove again. That's the point I'm making, right? And no, so you're right. when right? Because that's how they build mental toughness. That's how they build clarity. That's how they build toughness. So when they get older, when we're not around with them, they was brought up knowing how to wash their own dishes, wipe their own ass. Right, and do all that. So, then lead me to the other video. I said, when I die, I'm not gonna leave my kid a lot of money. Now, when I die, I'm gonna have probably two, three hundred million dollars easy. Easy. I'm gonna give my kid a small percentage. And a small percentage is a relative, because you know, you don't get to share all this on Instagram. A small amount probably be 10 mil for each kid. Now, until now, and until I'm dead, I'm not fucking working to save my money. I'm enjoying my food, my labor. I'm taking care of my right. mom, taking care of my brother and sister, yeah. right? Or my kid, we traveling, we doing good, but they living a good life. But when they die, when I die, I'm going to give them a small amount, 10 million bucks. But here's the thing. What's more important is this. Right now, I'm teaching my kid, Russell and Hudson, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be resourceful, how to think outside by the box. They already own a bunch of washing and drying machine in all-in-ball apartment building. They're making two grand a month from that. They're entrepreneur. By the time they're gonna get to twenty-one, thirty, they're gonna be millionaire, multi-millionaire. They're not gonna need my money, bro. Yeah. And so when I'm dead, I'm gonna put it into a trust and I'm gonna use that and I'm gonna do charitable work with my money. Because the point is, if I give my kid all the money and they don't know how to be responsible, if I don't teach them now, they're gonna burn that shit up anyway, bro.
0: Yeah. No, God bless you, bro. I, I I feel like I would love to do the same. And I don't know yet because, they're, they're, you know, they're still, you know, very young. It's going to be another 10 years until they get to a point where they need to be responsible with it. I just feel like I'm so soft because I had such a... And you don't know about the things I've discussed with yep. my dad whooping my ass so much. Like, there's, a, there's whooping your ass, and then there's child abuse. Right. And then there's my dad bringing me up in that, you know... North Korean style of ass whooping. Like, it was right. a different thing where I thought, like, hey, man, this is normal. And you talk to other Korean people and you'd be like, wow, you realize how I fucked it's up later on in life. And I uh, think that uh, therapy would definitely help it because me and my wife have talked about it and I realized how much love she had in certain things. And they didn't have a lot of money coming up and stuff. My, mom came, my wife came from a prominent family. But you know, we, we spoiled the kids. I just thought about what you said when you're talking about wipe your ass, certain things. Mm-hmm. Man, my middle son should have been able to wipe his ass way, like two, three years ago. Do you know what I mean? And I right. let it, you help in certain things. My daughter's very smart certain shit that's going on. Even though we help her a lot, she's very smart. But I do realize, yo, I can't tie your shoes anymore, motherfucker. You go to school. You're doing all this and that. You're interacting. You can do this. You can go ahead and program. My son can program, you know, code on a game. You're on a PC coding you can't tie your fucking shoe, bro. There's right. some, some basic, minimal, mechanical shit. Right. You can't do this. So I understand both sides, and I don't know what's going to happen yet. You have a set feeling. Look, I do want them to experience you know, a good life and certain things I don't know, but I have seen some things that have happened. I've seen people where they say, hey, look, man, my dad walked 25 miles to school. He worked this, this, and this, boom. And then this other guy is like, hey, man, we drove to school. And then they'd be like, all right, well, my kids are going to drive now Mercedes Benz and Bentleys to school. And then it's like, boom, what happens? It gets easier and easier and easier. Mm-hmm. And then the struggle gets less, less and less. And the, the certain generations, it just takes a few generations for that shit to fuck up. That's it, bro. So I don't know, man. It's tough. I just, I just. I always uh,
1: use this analogy, Ben, because you understand this, bro. And I know a lot of people can understand. The moment you talk about money sometimes, it fucking just fuck people's brain up. But let's put it in perspective in sports. My kids, they love playing sports. They play baseball. They're competitive baseball player. Right. 16 and 13. I told Russell, I can have all the money in the world. If I went up to your coach and I said, look, coach, I'm going to give you 10 racks. Let my kid be the top five hitter. If, if they say, okay, cool. They took the money and they put Russell out there, he ain't going to be able to perform because you know why? He didn't put in the work. Yeah. So I said to Russell, this is the one thing where everybody have the same playing field. Rich dad, poor dad, whatever. When you're in the sports team, your parents, with money, can't do shit. If you want to start, you got to put in the work. You got to go through tough time. You got to go do a lot of batting practice. That's where you learn. And here, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to end it with this. It ain't the goal that's important. It's the person you become in the process. Right. And it's that person becoming the process. Is to me, it's the billion-dollar wealth that I'm leaving them, not the fucking money.
0: Right. You know, it's funny you said that about the, paying the coach off $10,000 and certainly not going through the work. I hate to get political. To me, it's not even political. To most of America, it is. To all the anti-vaxxers, all the people who are thinking are crazy, I heard this amazing analogy. And this guy said, and he was a black man that said this. It was funny. He said, look, all you people out there that are mad about people getting vaccinated and still catching COVID. Mm-hmm. Look, you go out there. You practice 100 hours a week playing basketball. Okay. It doesn't guarantee that you're gonna make it into the NBA, but guess what? If you don't practice 100 fucking hours a week, guess what? Your chances of not getting an NBA are way less. Mm-hmm. So the more effort and the work, you know, that's what the vaccination is doing. It's basically, yes, it's not going to guarantee. But then there's so many other ways, but it was just funny, the, the way he said it, the way he articulated it was so brilliant because he was breaking it down. He's like, look, man, you got to practice. You have to have preparation. You got to have these things to go through these steps. And that's what the vaccination is doing certain things. Nothing is really guaranteed, but it's helping in so many other ways. Some people do or don't understand that. They think because they dress good, because they're around some cool people, they're going to get a shot on the team. And it's like, that's not how life works. That's right. That's right. So my next question, bro, (laughs) is this something, this is cultural now. This is different, man. Do you and your wife... Do you want your sons to marry? Is it important
1: for them to marry Vietnamese girls? It's not. It's not. Um, you know, where I live right now, you know, there's probably, you know, I would say 40% uh, non-Americans where I live, but it's more and more growing there. I don't really care. But I what I do care, matter of fact, it's funny because I, I had a talk with Russell last night, and he had his first, uh, you know, Girlfriend, you know, I mean, emotional roller coaster ride. You know what I right. mean. And I had a long talk with him last night. To me, it's not about nationality, but it's about. I told Russell, "Well, I'm going to teach you, son. Is you're going to be learn how to be focused. You're going to learn how to be disciplined. You're going to be a person that's going to be go-oriented, it. You're going to be out there a little bit entrepreneur. You want to find someone that is hungry." that has contributed to your life, you contribute to their life, and you guys are growing together. What you don't want to do is actually have someone who is sandbagging and go digging, and you got to recognize that. So to me, nationality is not important. It's more of the beingness of a person than the nationality.
0: There it is. That's good. What does Thatch Nguyen do for fun outside of work? Like, What do you do for fun?
1: This is shocking for a lot of people. And the people that are very close to me, they know. Um, you know, I work pretty much from eight in the morning and I usually get done about probably five, five o'clock. That's where my time is. And then after that, man, I like to keep low key. I don't even like fucking hanging out with a lot of people. <laughs> I'm a motherfucking introvert more than extrovert. A lot of <laughs> yeah. people don't even realize. Well, what do you do that. for fun, bro? Right? Like what do you like having fun? You yeah. like just driving? Like what do you Yeah, yeah and, and that's what I'm saying. After I get done, I just like hanging out with my family, bro.
0: I, I, I just kick that. it with
1: I just kick it with my my family, kick it with my kids. Um, you know, I like driving my car, I like going on vacation, but I just like doing it with my family. You know, it's funny you said that. I'm with Captain Morgan. I have a
0: major, major endorsement deal with them, and they always ask, "Yo, bring your crew, bring your friends." And I'm like, "Yo, dog, I'm bringing my family. I don't really have a crew like that no that's more." It. You know, I'm being being serious. That's As you get older, real. you realize yeah. it. The, you know, you may be in your mid thirties, late thirties, whatever. But when you really have kids, you're out, man. That's just all I
1: do. That's it, bro. I, like I see Morgan. that same thing with you. Yeah. So that's what I do. I just kick my. That's why, you know, I drive my Bentley and my road more than the Ferrari because every time I go somewhere, I want to take my kid with me because they like to go kick it with me.
0: Right, right. And that's love so, right so there. So you like to go on vacation. What's your favorite vacation destination?
1: Oh, bro. I love going to Asia.
0: Okay. What part?
1: Fucking Tokyo. Oh, man. I love Singapore. Tokyo. Fuck love Singapore. Vietnam. Right, I've Taiwan. Been, I've been to Vietnam
0: twice, but yeah. i never really experienced it. But Trang yeah. was beautiful. A lot of yeah. fucking, a lot of Russian girls there. <laughs> right.
1: I fucking love Japan, bro. I mean, I, I was hoping to go there this December, but, you know, with this lockdown, but.
0: I've been trying to go all year. Yep. I've never missed at least two trips a year for the last 15 years. And this is my, last year was my first. No, no. Last year I was there in January, but in 2020, right before the pandemic. Yeah, I was there too in January at the Singapore, at the uh, Marina Bay Sand. And the crazy thing is the pandemic's already started. We just didn't well, know. We didn't
1: know it. That's yet.
0: right. But, um, yeah, Tokyo is fucking amazing. You know, I'm, I'm trying you, to get and, out And there. I didn't
1: realize you stay at the same place. I stay at the Hyatt, bro. Yeah. Right? I love that fucking man yeah, right Park there. Hyatt's amazing. Yeah. Doug.
0: Grand Hyatt's amazing, yeah. dude. Um, so g- tell me a guilty pleasure of yours. I'm trying to get personal, man. You know, trying, yep. trying to get in the head. What's the What's the guilty pleasure? Is it liquor? Is it fucking champagne? Is it um, cars? I don't know. What, what What's the guilty pleasure of yours? I
1: don't drink. You know, I don't smoke. Uh, I think the guilt for me is just cars, bro. Yeah, you don't drink at all, really? I don't drink at all, dude I used to when I was younger You know, I used to drink right. the 40-ounce, you know, OG, for, you know, forty OG, back, <laughs> OG was back in the day with all my homies Right, and uh, and I realized when I got older and I got really into, you know, business and I started meeting great people I needed to keep my head clear, bro That's right? good, man, that's and, good and, and I then, mean,
0: even like a little bit of champagne, you know, even like Champagne just, once in a while, okay. you know what I
1: mean? Uh, But um, my guilt is car, man you okay. know, it is my car. Yeah, and bro. Fuck, we can talk about my car all goddamn day yeah, that's long, right? That's why that's another episode. That's right. that. right. We're
0: going to do it for another episode. All right, bro. Tell me three great things about living in the city of Seattle.
1: Um, number one, it's the environment. It's just cool. You know, when I compare this to other places, you know what I mean? It's a nice, slow pace. Yeah. You know, like if it's every day for me, I like the easy, slow pace. Right. You know, but I create my own pace. Right. Yeah. So I love that. I love the four different climates in Seattle. Right. You know, and uh, I think the most probably best part of it is uh, uh, the different type of food we have here. Right. But I think the environment for me most because I want to bring my kids up here and then travel wherever I want to travel. But for me, Seattle will be probably the four different seasons most people don't have. Right. Uh, it's just a chill, laid back kind of area. Right. And it's that natural, you know, green,
0: fresh air. That's the air thing, kind of thing that a lot of people tell me. When I have some of the Seahawks players come here and they, they, they get on the show and they tell me about their kids, they say, hey, man, this is a very family-oriented city, it, area. He said, man, the camping, the the vegetation, yeah. the, the the greenery, everything. They said, you know, the air's clean because of it and certain things. It's funny you said that because I, everyone tells me that they love having their kids, you know,
1: here. Yeah, for real, dude. For All real.
0: Right. Name three great, restaurants in Seattle.
1: Um I'm going to take you on to tonight, right? We're <laughs> okay. going to go to El Chow- Gaucho tonight.
0: Yeah, I've heard great things about it from a few people. Yep.
1: Yep. And we're going to go there. Uh one of my um one of my Vietnamese spots I like to hit up is um, you know, Tamman Tree. Where's that? It's over here in uh, Little Saigon. Okay. Right? I've never been. Right? And then uh I will say uh Sherry, uh the the sushi restaurant in Belltown. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? I've been That's there before, popular, right? Yeah. So what
0: about a hole in the wall spot? Oh yeah. Well, name a hole in the wall spot that's just like.
1: Uh, Tamar Tree is, is considered, you know, it's not a hole hole in the wall, but that's okay. definitely.
0: What about a, a staple? Like you know, there's Dicks, there's Taco Times, there's that. Like, what's the Seattle staple that you love that you like going to?
1: Um, I would say um, Presto sandwich over in the Soto district. That used to be up in and Sa- uh, up in North Seattle. They got one here Se- uh, now down in Soto. It's um, Pecco. Pecco. The Peco. It's called Peco Sandwich, something like that. Damn. Yeah, I, P-E-C-O. I something like oh, that. Oh, no, no. I know you're talking about. Yeah, I've never been there before. Yeah, though.
0: Peco. It's funny because every time, you know, we go drinking, hang out on in Capitol Hill and shit, whatever, I'm always at Mario's Pizza. Yeah. Like, I'm always getting a slice on Mario's, bro. Like, you yeah. can't fucking beat that, at, like, fucking 1 a.m., whatever it may be. Um, so they say every great businessman has had a mentor. Yeah. Right? Is there anybody today... That you still look up to Or is there anybody Who you know you know, Because we're older yep. So inspiration can vary right yep. But are, are there? Is it? Can you name somebody That you, you know Or, or may, maybe
1: a couple people That you look up to today You know what's so crazy bro When I started real estate In 1991 And then I, when uh, I got to 1995 96 This mentor of mine Named Saul He's the one who said to me That He's a Jewish guy Yeah You can be rich Selling a lot of real estate, but you never be wealthy, and you always be working for the rest of your life. You can never trade your time in. And Saul used to meet with me once a month, and but he says I'm gonna give you a homework assignment every single month until you get done. You call me back. So I made the mistake calling him and say, "Hey, let's meet again." So I meet. We meet. He said, "Did you do my homework that I told you to do last month?" He said, I said, "No, not yet." He got up and left. Okay. Today, my friend, that cat right there, him and I still talk, bro, once a month. Right. And that's the cat that basically could always talk to me about balance. Fun, financial freedom, emotional freedom, that's freedom. And he's still successful, right? He's Hell still. yeah, bro. And the crazy thing
0: is, you know, because half my family is Jewish, man, Jewish people are the most shrewd business people in the world. Yeah. Fucking successful. is crazy, But what
1: great about Saul is that, you know, he's 20 years in front of me, and he has a lot of wealth, but he also have emotional peace of mind. Right. And that's the thing. I got to continue to keep practicing because, you know, sometimes... I like to flick my hand in every damn opportunity. But sometimes, that shit bites you because you come to realize, God damn, you know what I mean? (laughs) Shit took so much of my time, my family time, and then now, I'm stuck with it. Right. And so it's important to me now when I'm involved in any business or any opportunity, I got to make sure it lines up with my core value.
0: Right. So,
1: have you ever crossed paths
0: with any of these Seattle greats like uh, Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos, or even fucking Sean
1: Camp, Gary Payton, uh, Ken griffey Jr. You ever, you ever crossed paths with any of these guys before? Uh, what's crazy, uh, early on, no. Now, yes. Right. Right? You know, like, for example, I think I mentioned to you, uh, I just partnered with the Seattle Sounders. Nice. Right? Yeah, and I'm doing a lot of work. Up. And now, as I'm partnering up with them and uh, a lot of different uh, big companies around here, now you know, and I sit on a lot of different non nonprofit board. So now a lot of the what you know people they call celebrities and influencer, right? Um, we just know them on a personal level. You know, like I know so many of the guys in the Seahawks; they know me. You know yeah. what I mean? The Mariners, you know what I mean? The Sounders, and all, yeah. you know me now. A lot of the business people in Seattle they all know me. Uh, I just got nominated, bro, from the Seattle Sounder um, just recently, and they're gonna make the big announcement in November. But uh, out of twenty seven uh, soccer team. Every team pick one person in the community who they're gonna give the community award to, and Seattle Sounder nominated me for the community award for the oh, whole city, of Seattle. And um, congrats, man! And so that's that's how, I, and I'm meeting a lot of people now doing that. It's beautiful, and yeah. plus, you know, Russell's one of the owners, man, of the Sounders. Uh, yeah, yeah it's Macklemore, everybody. Have you met Russell before? We haven't, but we both know a lot of people. Like how, like I knew how I knew you. Yeah, yeah. They know yeah. me, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, uh,
0: Macklemore's my boy too. Fuck, I meant to hit him because that game last night. Fucking Jesus Christ, man. Do you, uh, do you own any crypto at all? I don't, bro. But my kid just started buying stuff because they listen to your ass
1: all the time. Right, Russell? <laughs> <laughs> That's good shit. Yeah.
0: So look, man, this is one of the last questions I have pretty much, man. Give my listeners some free game. Like just one useful business tip. You do it all the time on TikTok and everything, but what's one useful business tip that you could bless the BTB army with?
1: I'm going to say right now, I don't care if you are a teenager and I don't care if you're a multimillionaire being there out there. Okay, number one, go out there and be creative and go make your money, hustle, okay? Do what you got to do. It's always great to have a mentor that you can always bounce your idea off, okay? Go make your money, take that money, and then be smart. Spend some of it on you, right? Enjoy the journey, going to your big destination. But then take some of the other money and have discipline, and just park it in some kind of asset opportunity, right? Like, let's say real estate for me, because most people will say, well, shit, it's going to take so long to see the $100,000 a month cash flow, but if you don't park it, you're going to spend it anyway, so what's the goddamn difference? Yeah. Make your money, get a mentor on the journey, enjoy some of that money you're making, but don't spend all of it, park it into some real estate, and then 10, 20 years later, you look back and you go, shit, I can't believe... I got 100 property, 50 million with the net worth. And I got 100 grand a month in positive cash every month. And I wake up in the morning without a gun in the back of my head. And I can do what I want to (laughs) do, when I want to do, whoever I want to do it with. And that's free game. And and let me
0: sum that up real quick. All you motherfuckers out there, what he's trying to say is, you guys want to eat microwave food. You want to cook them 30 seconds to three minutes. He's talking about cooking the pot slow like your grandma did, letting that shit simmer at 275 and letting that shit cook real nice, braise, you know what I'm saying? Don't even get to a boil, just like, you know, just let it that shit this nice low heat and let it cook and it always going to taste better that way. And that's what he's saying. You just made me think about something right now because I had to, had to add something, which I don't really think, but you got my mind going. And it's funny because we like to travel, like to do certain things. People ask me all the time, "Yo, man, how come you don't have a jet? How can you don't have this, this, and this?" And I'm like, "Well, I do have a jet now because of you know my partnership with Captain Morgan." Thing is, it's not like that, and I have to understand. I have friends who have jets and certain things. People don't understand really how much jet fuel costs, right? Man. When Kanye was in debt fifty million dollars, a lot of it was from jet fuel because he was flying to Abu Dhabi. Oh, fuck this! I'll leave here, here, and here. Didn't realize how expensive it is. Some people are tra- don't get it. They sit there. And I'm talking about. A jet a global express, something that's nice, right? Going to Asia. Even a global express, going to Asia, do you know how fucking scary that flight's gonna be in a global? It's gonna be like a fucking it's like trying to be five foot two going against fucking, you know, uh, you know, Jack. going against fucking Katie or Shaq right. or somebody. It's just it's a joke. And you don't realize that it's gonna cost you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a round trip, maybe even more than that, depending on the jet. And it's not, it's different. So I've decided I have better things to do with my money. It is, you know, nice to bypass the TSA, to have certain things. But what are your personal opinions about flying private and, you know, owning a jet and things like that?
1: Yeah. My brother is a private pilot in Seattle, and he flies for all the rich-ass people in Seattle. Nice. So I know all the things about private jet. Break it down. And my brother says, ain't no point owning a private jet. Thank you. Just rent it when you need to go. Yes. Okay, you don't have to pay for the hangar. Yeah. You don't have to pay for all the people you know, servicing it all the time. You don't have to pay for the pilot all the time, even though when they're flying. Yeah. And then you don't have to park. The, you don't have to pay for the plane being parked when you get to your destination. Yeah. And the few coming back. And my brother said that maintenance and those things. And the aviation, it get outdated fast. Yeah. And then you update your plane every few years. Yeah. So he says, when you fly private, just rent when you need it. Yeah. That's oh. the emotional peace of mind too, bro.
0: But what I'm saying, okay, check this out. During the pandemic, when crypto started to get really big, yep. around Christmas time, start blowing up, I seen this girl who's a YouTuber. And she might make a couple million dollars a year, which is, that's good money. But, you know, who knows what she'll do in five years, three years, 10 years, whatever. Yep. Who knows she's investing. All I'm saying is, she jumped on a G4 from Miami to Los Angeles. Then I saw her go from Los Angeles to Hawaii. You know, and you got to think right then and there, okay, that's over a 100 grand now. Easy. 150, 200 grand in plane flights right? whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, now this chick's going back to her ten thousand dollars a month apartment high rise that she lives in, not owns or anything. Right. What are your
1: opinions about right that right there? Don't you think right there? I mean, I get it, you're young, but don't you think that's just? I think that's. For- I think that's that's the exact thing we just talked about. Right, is you know work hard, right? Spend some of it. That scenario, they just spend everything they make. Yeah. Maybe even more because they want to show it off on, they want to have a right. video. The, they want to have a fucking 30-second video of them right. being on the jet. That's right. That's not being responsible. You know what I mean? So, like I said, you can still kick it from Miami to LA, right? But that's not being responsible. Yeah. But I tell you, you know the hardest thing, Ben, coming up is learning to master delay gratification.
0: There it is. It's funny. Three days ago, Kanye... Who's technically worth $6 billion, technically. Don't know whatever, It's a friend of mine. He flew in a private suite commercial airline, whether Delta or United, how they have the suites now, you know, lay down beds, and people were tripping. Now, me personally, I don't know if I do that at six, right? Right. But where I'm at right now, you know, I'm not broken anywhere near, but I do enjoy being in that. And I, look, if for me to spend 100, 100 grand to go to New York and back, it ain't that... Especially alone, fuck that. Family, I could consider yeah. it being something. Yeah. But you're flying solo,
1: it's just a waste, man. It's a waste, you know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't spend your money, but there's many... Here's the thing too, bro. You can have the same experience without all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think people get caught up in the flexing
0: game more now, than... Look, when you stay in the presidential suite in the Grand High or the Park Hyatt in Tokyo, yes. you're at the Marina Bay Sands, in yeah. Singapore, whatever, boom. Okay, there is a big difference a big between difference. being on that suite. That's right. And then being in, you know, a regular 400 square foot room. Boom. I mean, that, that's there's a I big agree. difference. Okay. Now, I also look at it. What am I doing? Boom. Okay. We're in a thousand square foot suite here. This is cool. It's fine. But at the same time, I'm just here chilling here and there. We're family. Right. Bro, you know I'm jumping in a 2,000 square foot project suite. But it's just different. I'm just saying it's way different and more understanding on a hotel because it's lodging where you sleep. The plane, man, it's just a little. And I hear
1: the thing though. That's. You and I are a different age bracket. That's why we can share this, right? But for all the young people out there listening, listen, if you want to get to all level and still have massive wealth, don't do what Homegirl doing. Yeah, no, she's tripping. You see what I'm saying? 22 years old. What's
0: the Vietnamese word for like, you know, like me, I always say I'm washed, right? I say I'm the washed lord. Like I'm the most washed up. I make fun of myself, Right. How, what, how do you say washed up in Vietnamese?
1: Oh, man. I don't even know, bro. We're going to have to ask Richie Lee when he get here. So. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: So, bro, make sure you're recording. The last question I have for every guest that comes on my show. Okay. The last question I have for anyone. I don't give a fuck. If you're Famous, rich, whatever. Well, everyone who comes on here definitely got to have some sort of business savvy. Can't just be on a BTB show and be some clown. Is, is there anything that you would like to ask me?
1: Okay, how did you find your passion on being a jeweler? And then how did you actually found your niche to make your game different, better, bigger than so many other jewelers out there in the game right now?
0: Shit, man. So that's a good question. So I became a jeweler in, uh, in 2005 by accident almost, right? I don't want to say by accident because there's no accidents in life. But I was at a point, May 2004, I became a millionaire for the first time, sold my sneaker collection, Decided to travel the world, broke off an engagement, was only engaged once in my entire life before me and my wife were together. And I said, you know what? I'm out of control. I lost the love of my life. Cheated on her, being stupid. He got this new money. Don't know how to act. Got a Ferrari. Got a fucking you know. Got a got a BMW 750. And back then, if you had a 750, you, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, it. people are people are ki- you know what I'm saying on people 22. Like, <laughs> yeah, on 22 collector zones. You know right. this is you know this was a big time. So I traveled the world, wanted to become more worldly. Came back and I said, all right, what the fuck am I going to do? Jewelry, something I always liked. I love shiny things. Love diamonds. Who doesn't? I love Rolexes and shit. So I said, you know what? Rather do it with someone I trust. One thing about jewelers is you don't understand this. You could be a bench jeweler, meaning you sit there, make jewelry, you know, carve, do welding, do things like that, set diamonds. But at the same time, not a lot of bench jewelers have wealth. Being a bench jeweler is like being a real estate agent in a way, right? You're selling, you here and there, but you don't own any wealth, mm-hmm. okay? Being an overall jeweler, now you could be two things. You could be a salesperson or you could be an entrepreneur. You could own the business. Now, being a jeweler, people don't get is you're... Assets, your jewelry, your stock, everything you have, that's basically who you are. So the more diamonds, the more inventory you have, that's, that's how you become wealthy because you have diamonds, you have gold. These are commodities. You know, you go to the Middle East, you can pay for your hotel room with gold bars. You can do certain things. So, you know, I thought about that. I went in just, you know, thinking like, oh yeah, shit, bling, bling, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, grills, you know, this is fun, this is cool. Then the recession hit. Mm. And all my shit, that shit went out the window. Mm. And I was like, look, this is the recession that my family, me, no one's ever experienced this in our lifetime. That 08 to 2010, I thought about not being a jeweler ever again. I said, yo, man, this is going to be a fucked up time. This is fu-. And I was really considering, you know, it was a bad time in my life. I was really like just, no one was really buying jewelry. Luxury items were getting hit. Even the nice shit was getting hit. Cars, everything. It was a weird time for everyone. It's not like now where everyone's trying to buy a Rolls Royce, we're trying to buy whatever. You didn't buy none of that shit back then. It was, people were just like, yo, we need to stay afloat. Tough time in life. I said, you know what? I need to figure out how to market this four to $15,000 range of jewelry and let me attack that to be more subtle. You could still flex, you could still floss very subtly. You got a girl who went to go get a boob job because she didn't like how her body looked, okay? She didn't go get double Ds, she didn't get triple Ds. She went and got a big B cup, because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. and then you take off like, damn, those are some beautiful tits. They're yeah. not huge, but they're nice and really pretty, right? right? So I said, you know what? Let me get this micro jewelry. Let me start owning patents. I knew that this name Micro Jesus would be very popular. Jesus' piece is one of the most popular pieces of jewelry in not just hip hop, but in general. Mm-hmm. You know, any kind of crosses, things like that, they're very popular in jewelry. Um, and so I, I bought the patent for Micro Jesus' piece. You know, started making these micro-sized pieces, started making better quality on the smaller pieces. That was what took me into a different place. Mm. When I did that, I said, okay, cool. Now I gotta take my game to a different level. Why am I gonna charge this? Why don't I use the better quality shit? Why instead of trying to use a Rolex, put shitty diamonds in it, and I'd be like, yo, I got an iced out Rolex fully iced out for 22,000." Okay, great. Now I'm attracting the people who are out there trying to front. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether two weeks from now they'll be broke or maybe next year they're broke trying to sell it. And you know, you look at it and be like, yo, this is terrible. You put 24s on a Bentley or twenty sixes on a Bentley where they don't fit, they're right. not supposed to be on there. Right. Boom, it don't look factory at all. Okay, no, I'm not doing that. I'm matching Rolex's quality. I'm matching Cartier's quality because my name, I'm putting it out there. It's a luxury brand. Ben Barr's luxury brand. You know, so I'm gonna go out there and put shit at a price that's not attainable. Okay, because I want the .0001%, I want the wealthy people to fuck with me. Okay, you wanna fuck with Ben Ball? You wanna get a custom chain? It ain't gonna cost you 50, it ain't gonna cost you, it's gonna cost you 200 bands just to get a job. Mm. And you know, people started understanding the way I was moving. People started understanding the way that I was making pieces and they saw a difference. Some people, to the naked eye, you're not gonna tell a difference, be like, ah, it's whatever, boom. But I was making four, five, up to eight pieces a month I'm making four or five pieces a year now. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to museums. I'm breaking the internet every time I drop something. I'm not posting shit for Instagram to do this, this, this. Yes, it's going to go on IG, but I'm making a lasting impression. 50 years from now, you're going to see this in a museum. I'm not thinking about it like that. So now, there's a million jewelers in the world, maybe five million jewelers in the world. Why did an old, washed up, fucking bald-headed Asian guy rise above the Jewish people, Mm. rise above these other people, is because the mouthpiece, I knew it was too good to go to waste. So I marketed myself. There's people who are out there on a poster. You see a poster of James Bond. They're like, damn, I want that Omega watch, or whatever, boom, put in there, cool. I didn't have that benefit. Mm-hmm. But I had a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. So with my mouthpiece, whether it be on the podcast, whether it be on social media, I knew if I said something, it might attract people. And it did, it started reeling them in. But now the only thing is, if you don't have the product to match that shit talking,
1: mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah.
0: Once I had the mouthpiece to the quality of the jewelry to match the mouthpiece, it game was home. Game Over, Thatch. It was limitless. Yeah. So that's where I'm at today, bro. Beautiful, baby. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yo, man, Thatch, I really appreciate you coming on. It's probably one of my favorite episodes because this was about business. It was about Asian immigrants. It's about older men. Do you know what I mean? In our in our Crazy age kids. range raising kids, all that, bro. I really do appreciate you coming on here. I love coming out to Seattle. You know, I'm out here over a dozen times a year. So definitely we got a link. I'm going to enjoy this dinner tonight. Yes, sir. And, uh, yo guys, I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, yo miles, I think it's proper time to throw on some of that Lakey Lake real quick. So why don't you throw on those beats and we're going to jump to a commercial break. Now, anyone who drinks wine knows the options are limitless, which is why finding a wine I like can be hit or miss. Now, me personally, I love Pinot Noir and Cabernet Sauvignon. And First Leaf has sent me some delicious bottles of wine. Now that I'm a First Leaf wine club member, I only get the hits. That's because experts at First Leaf who know my personal palate send wines I love right to my door. First Leaf is a wine club that curates and ships wines that are perfect for you. And since they work with renowned winemakers all over the world, there is virtually no limit to the variety of wines you get to try. Not only does First Leaf introduce you to a ton of new wine, each box gets better. Plus, when you rate the wine you receive, First Leaf learns more about your palate. At first, I wasn't sure what I was going to like, but now I keep getting bottles that I can proudly celebrate with those that I love. But here's a fun little not-so-secret about First Leaf. They work directly with winemakers, which means you get incredible wine 60% off retail. First Leaf is so confident you'll love the wine They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you receive a bottle that isn't exactly what you are hoping for, First Leaf will credit your account. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Did you hear what I just said? Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash baller. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash baller. Be a hero in your household with First Leaf. Yo, yo, so we're back, guys. As promised, I told you guys I would give away a gold cash gun here on the podcast, and I'm here to do that. Somebody here who listens to BTB, who is a subscriber, who is subscribed to this show, is going to win a gold pen Baller cash gun. Okay? Just like the one that fucking Thatch is fucking flossing and flexing on his fucking social medias. Guys, it's a very simple question. All I need you to do is email pod at gmail.com Screenshot that you subscribe to the show and answer the simple question and the first person who gets it wins. Simple as that. All right. Name the building in Seattle where I owned a condominium and where I resided from 2011 to 2017. Okay. There it is. Go ahead y'all. So, yeah, man, my trip to Seattle this time was supposed to be a longer trip, supposed to be there till Sunday. Um, bittersweet again. The game fucked me up. You know, it just really took me out of... Uh, it just took everything out of me. I, I already said everything I had to say last week, you know, I mean, well, um, a couple days ago on Saturday. Uh, I found this podcast called Man to Man, M-A-N, the number two M-A-N, and it's hosted by this dude named Mike Sean. Um, he is a Seattle Seahawks writer. He is in with the Seahawks, like actual. I think, um, like media squad, whatever. Good dude. I'm gonna have him on the show. If you're a 12 fan, which I know there's not a whole lot of you 12 fans that listen to this podcast, but if you are, then definitely check out uh, the dude's podcast. It's great. But yeah, you know, it was it was a different type thing. When I go to Seattle, usually, you know, I I try to hit Bellevue, I hit Cap Hill, I hit all kinds of shit, and this time I didn't do shit. Cause I was just in a fucking bad mood. I was doing an interview with Thatch and whatever, but Thatch was like really proactive. He's like, "Nah, fuck that. We're gonna go eat dinner. We're gonna go here." It's like, "What's your favorite steakhouse?" And then there's this one spot in the Braven Shops in Bellevue that I fuck with. I used to go with my cousin Rex, and um, that's another thing too. And I think I brought it up in the last episode, right? I just can't shake the fact that that my my cousin just fucks me up. It haunts me, but it's 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 all good. But like, Daniel's was my favorite steakhouse there. You know, I had a pretty good steak at a. Ruth Chris Steakhouse, pretty good tomahawk. But as you guys know who follow me and look at my stories and you see those gigantic fucking tomahawks I was holding in my hand with my boy Byung, Thatch took me to a steakhouse called El Gaucho. Funny thing about El Gaucho is the restaurant group that owns that restaurant owns Aqua. And Aqua is one of my favorite restaurants in Seattle. It's one of the first places I went to with uh, Sydney Rice of the Seattle Seahawks. And it's so funny when people tell me certain things. I'm like, yo, do you realize, motherfuckers, that I was fucking with the Seahawks when Golden Tate was on the team and fucking Percy Harvin and fucking, you know, Sidney Rice and shit. Like, Sidney Rice wasn't even on the mother, but he was, but he was injured when they fucking won the Super Bowl. So it's like, come on, bro. I was having dinner with Sidney Rice back then, and, you know, I was a motherfucking 12 then. It just cracks me up. Anyways, El Gaucho was legit as fuck. I'm glad I have another option, but I'm really upset that you have to go all the way to Tacoma in a federal way. I'm not going all the way to federal way to get a fucking bowl of fucking chigae, okay? Somebody in fucking Seattle, please open a motherfucking Korean restaurant, okay? There is uh, Filipino spots in Cap Hill, little fusion spots here and there, but there was a spot right there across the street from the New 13 Coins and uh right there in Pioneer Square, right next to Lumen, right outside the parking lot. But come on, man, need a Korean fucking restaurant. But yeah, Seahawks, moving forward, Geno Smith is here. I know a lot of talk is going on about getting Cam Newton. Um, I'm not mad at that, especially because of the receiver quarter we have. We got the money to afford them. You know, it ain't going to be shit. Let's go can go grab them. Fuck it. But until then, Geno Smith, uh, update is... Russell Wilson is probably going to be out four weeks or so. We got three games coming up. We got Pittsburgh this Sunday, which they beat fucking Denver last, yesterday, which is a fucking shocker, okay, because Ben's fucking sucks. Then we got Monday Night Football versus the Saints, okay, and then we got the Jacksonville Jaguars, which suck dick, and then we have a bye week. So Russ comes back, and we got the fucking uh, the Packers and Green Bay, but If Gino is balling, he's doing his thing, let's not take that momentum away. Like I said, let's let Gino cook, okay? So if you guys, speaking of Green Bay, if you noticed, my Green Bay lock hit, it dropped to minus 2.5. Don't forget the captain picks. I'll be getting the captain picks in a little bit, but I'm just letting you guys know that we are on fucking fire right now, okay? The captains are on fucking fire. We have made our fucking subscribers our customers thousands we have had motherfuckers racked up this weekend i'm so fucking proud of my crew and the captains got together for the first time i cannot believe that is the first time that me the dust brothers and michael Port have got to sit down and have a meal together it was a beautiful thing okay so the captains crushed it more about that in a little bit but you know, I'll talk about real quick that uh, 18 NBA players defrauded the NBA. Was it the fucking financial system, whatever? But but the thing is, you guys know, if you guys know what I'm talking about, how they defrauded, 18 NBA players defrauded the NBA's, was it retirement or whatever fund it was? The crazy part about it is, big baby, Glenn Davis, is like one of the main guys that was indicted, or I'm sorry, mentioned, in the investigation and shit. And he was on the podcast. He's one of our guests here. That motherfucker had the nerve to go on a private jet. He looked crazy, by the way. He's fucking huge. With a bag of cash eating Popeye's chicken.
1: Come on, bruh.
0: Really, bruh? Like, like really, bruh. Anyways, to better news. Told you guys. On my fucking Instagram story post That Tyson Fury Was gonna whoop that ass Okay The Gypsy King was gonna whoop That bronze bomber ass Now I'm not gonna say anything too bad About the bronze bomber Because his wife just started following me I followed her back She has a podcast She's part Filipina And we're gonna be You know doing some biz together Or something I'm probably gonna jump on her show Whatever it may be Yo That fight was fucking incredible that fight was phenomenal Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder three was the best heavyweight boxing match I have ever seen in my life I watched my first fucking boxing match in 1978 that was 40 fucking three years ago that was just incredible those power shots, those power punches, you don't get to see maybe five, six. I say I'm talking about connecting dead jaw, break your fucking mouth open shots. You're lucky if you see three or four in a fucking fight these days in the last 10 years. Okay. We saw like 20 of them. There were so many knockdowns. It was just fucking crazy. I cannot tell you, no man I've ever seen has heart like fucking Wilder. He was gassed after the third round. This motherfucker is jacked in great shape. Gypsy King is built like a fucking brick shithouse. He's built like me. His fucking chest looks like a wet blanket. This motherfucker didn't give a fuck. He is just incredibly talented. This dude is, there's no way Usak is gonna fuck with this dude. He is going, there's nobody in the heavyweight world that can touch this dude. He is fucking almost 300 fucking pounds. He's 280 pounds. This dude is a goddamn animal. That was the best fucking fight. These motherfuckers. He got knocked down. I was like, I don't know, man. He's still crisp. And then after, after Tyson Fury won, this motherfucker sang a cappella. And if that wasn't enough, if that was not enough, my man Tyson Fury went to Hakkasan to go party with my little bro, Steve Aoki, and jumped on stage, took off his shirt, partied until 4.30 in the morning, drank, yo, I'm like... Yo, I just have to mention, man, the boxers I spoke to, from Devin Haney to fucking Andre Berto, they like, yo, this dude, is, it's one of the best fights I've ever seen. It was just brutal. Straight gangster. Yes, Riddick Bo, Lennox Lewis was great. Those were calculated. Those were more skilled. This was just straight, brute, beast, Viking battle. Man, entertainment at its fucking best. And speaking of entertainment, if you have not watched Dave Chappelle's new special on Netflix, The Closer. Go watch that shit now. Go watch that shit now and understand why he is the fucking goat. He is the fucking comedic goat. You know Richard Pryor is my favorite comedian ever, okay? Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence probably comes before that. But, you know, I love comedy. Love stand-up comedians. There's guys who've been doing it. They're great. Dave Chappelle is just too fucking brilliant. He's so Fucking smart, so fucking sharp, so fucking articulate. Fuck all that bullshit about the LBGTQ. What he said was dead honest. He broke it down. If you have a brain and you're a normal person, okay? Now look, if a community of crazy people got together and they shit all their crazy stories and they had similarities understand i'm not alienating them but yes they're crazy it is not normal to shoot 14 people it's not normal to go eat your kid's shit it's not normal to fucking eat people's body parts okay I'm not trying to fuck out of here <laughs> let's you know what i'm saying like let's look i'm not normal but i'm not that right and i'm just saying any group of people could come together and say how about us and you can't just sit there and be like yeah you deserve right no no not everyone does Sorry man And I'm not talking about the LBGTQ I'm just saying What he had said Was fair across the board And it was fucking phenomenal So definitely watch that fucking show Okay After I watched My fucking Seahawks lose That fucking game that we could have won Bought that new Scorsese film that he produced Called The Card Counter With Oscar Isaac And it was just too film noir for me It was too, it was too slow. It was too fucking art filmy for me. Tiffany Haddish was terrible in it. So I give it two thumbs down. Now, another movie I got to see since I was in a bad mood in Seattle in my hotel suite chilling was The Many Saints of Newark, which was the prequel to The Sopranos. And if you know me, then you know I loved The Sopranos. There wasn't a season that sucked. I fucking loved that show. That show was fucking amazing. This movie could have been amazing. I don't want to hear shit. You just don't understand. Shut the fuck up. I don't understand it. Bitch, don't tell me what the fuck I don't understand. I've been watching gangster movies since the motherfucking 70s, right? Could have been great There were some very good moments I give the movie A 6, 6.5 out of 10 Okay It's obviously gonna be a sequel To show what the fuck You know Tony Soprano is gonna be It's kind of a trip That James Gandolfini's son Played him in this movie um, The dude who played Dickie uh, uh, Malasanto Whatever I like the dude Thought he was alright Thought he was sharp But uh, it, it was alright so I think the highlight of all my entertainment shit that I watched is obviously Dave Chappelle. Um, there was this sports crimes and penalties documentary I saw on Netflix about this semi-pro league called the Danbury Trashers. That was fucking excellent. That, that was actually good. Sorry, I watched it on the plane. Um, what else? BMF was on. BMF was good. Still trying to accept Meech's son in real life playing Meech. Um, good, still good, you know, figured all out, but yeah, you know, great episode, guys, Uh. this is definitely one of the longer episodes that we've done, want to give you guys your money's worth, even though this podcast is totally fucking free, we've dropped nothing but free game on you guys, real quick, I want to talk about Captain Picks, because we made a lot of you motherfuckers a lot of Money. By the way, real quick, I want to say thank you again to all the fans that came up, all the BTB Army listeners that came up to me at the game. There's about 40-plus of you guys, the most ever in any Seahawks game I've ever been to. Appreciate all the love. I always try to give you guys stickers, Sharpies, whatever I got, and I always try to bring stuff. Appreciate you guys. All you guys are always so nice, so kind, so classy. Okay, back to the Captain Picks. You heard me talking a lot about joining CaptainPicks.com, and if you haven't yet, then you are wagering Wrong. Why would you listen to everything I say on this podcast about making money, watching sports, and investing without subscribing to Captain Picks? We made members this month thousands and thousands of dollars off our picks against the spread place and the bookie breaker teasers. After our Sunday night, we have now a six game winning streak on games that happen on Sunday, Monday, or Thursday nights. And our hit percentage amongst our crew is now at an all-time high of 67%. We aren't just making picks, guys. We are kicking it on the daily in the Discord community, okay, because this is a community of winners on the daily. Definitely come in there. You'll hear me rap, mostly Miles, mostly Jordan, but I go in that Discord and talk my shit, Okay, Get yourself a daily, weekly, or monthly package at captainpicks.com for NFL, NBA, MLB playoffs, and more. We keep our prices low because it's your bookie's bankroll that we are after. All right, guys? Thank you for another fucking phenomenal episode. One of the best episodes in BTB history, guys. Always remember, this is not your practice life. Okay, for those of you going through something in your life, going through some hard times, going through some weird transitions, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Okay, turn tragedy into triumph. Now, your homework excitement. All I want you guys to do, tell a friend to tell a friend about Behind the Baller podcast. Tell them to subscribe. I'll be giving away more cool shit on the next episode. So make sure you tune in. Guys, I love you. Okay? Your Captain Baller, The Wash Lord, Korean Liam Neeson, I am signing off. My man Lakey Lake is about to play some beats. And as soon as you hear those beats by my man Lakey Lake, that means that's it. All right, guys. I'll see y'all next Monday. Love. Peace.